Hello, welcome back to another instalment of the Scouted Football Podcast with me, Joe Donoghue. Uh, well, what do we have on offer today? Well, there's something of a title race in France's top flight this year. Um, quite a few familiar names and interesting haircuts playing an important role in the race for supremacy in Ligue 1. Um, but on a more concerning note, there is also the, the developing story of a broadcasting crisis in France with the collapse of uh, Media Pro's uh, Telefoot Shan uh, branch. Um, that has sort of dominated the news agenda uh, concerning French football over the past week or so. Uh, and that is what uh, we are going to be discussing today. Um, with me, I have uh, Get French Football News' Mo Ali, uh, an ardent Olympique Marseille supporter, um, not so sure how much of a supporter he is of uh, Andre Villas Boas, but um, we'll we'll see. We'll get into that. But um, yeah, we're going to discuss the the ramifications of these hugely impactful financial decisions, um, as well as a bit of what's happening on the field. Um, Mo, how are we doing? Uh, good, thanks. Thanks for inviting me on again. Pleasure to talk. Yeah, it's his second appearance on the the Scouted Pod. Um, we discussed um, your beloved Marseille the first time, as well as a little bit of of Nice and Monaco. Um, but yeah, really enjoyed that one. So it's it's great to to have you back on. So um, my my understanding of of the the, the broadcasting situation in France was that Media Pro um, they they uh, were awarded the rights or, or bought the rights. Um, to Liga uh, and to, to broadcast that, um, but four months into that deal, uh, there now seems to be uh, well, there are there have been some hitches to that, and and uh, Media Pro are, are not going to pay up to the LFP, obviously the the Ligue de Football Professionnel in in France, um, and that obviously now means that clubs are going to be at a detriment, uh, the league is going to be at a detriment, or financially, uh, and and. I think for, for, for most people to, to understand in terms of parallels, you know, it would be almost as if um, Sky Sports pulled out of uh, broadcasting, you know, the Premier League and, and that deal, um, you know, the, the, the scores of, of money that, that flow into clubs from, from these broadcasting deals is, is, um, is hugely important. Um, what, what's been, you know, that, that's just my understanding of the situation. What is sort of the, um, the, the, the situation as a whole? Well, yeah, no, I think you hit the nail on the head um, quite well. I mean, the story begins well back in 2018, just before um, the, the World Cup. And um, at the end of that season, 2017-18 season, you know, everything was going so well. Obviously, later that year, France won the World Cup uh, with a good smattering of domestic players. Um, you know, you had Marseille in the Europa League final. You had a really good title race. When it came out that the tender um, was so successful and that... You know, it was always going to be expected, particularly after Neymar's first share and the interest that, um, you know, him coming into Ligue 1 and Mbappe taking off had generated, um, that the TV rights were actually going to increase a lot. Then out of the blue came uh, MediaPro, who who broadcasted, you know, football in, in Spain, but were just an agency and were looking to actually sublet um, and sell on the rights to a profit to maybe um, another provider in France. And when that fee came out to 1.1 billion euros, which is, you know, absolutely fantastic, it would have been the second most expensive TV rights deal for the top five European leagues. And Ligue 1 has long had the chip on its shoulder when it comes to finances, especially broadcasting revenues, because, you know, let's face it, it's not as well regarded as, as Serie A and the Ligue and the, uh, the Premier League uh, for obvious reasons. So when this came out, everyone was elated to a certain degree. Not only did it mean that clubs can, you know, keep their stars uh, for longer periods and obviously pay them decently. But you even had a couple of uh, sort of league and presidents saying, well, who knows, we might, you know, 
snag one or two uh, Premier League players who, who won a different continental challenge. You never know. So things were absolutely rosy. And that was two years ago. So he still had to go through, you know, the Canal Plus B in sport deal, which was a previous uh, rights holder up until 2020. And then it all came crashing down. And even though coronavirus has obviously paid a big part in, in football finances this year, um, Media Pro was still very adamant to get things going. And when Ligue 1 was one of the leagues to, to, to cancel the season, uh, um, in, in April rather than play on. They did so to protect this TV deal because that's essentially, you know, what needs to be protected. We don't want to protect and continue playing for, you know, 50 million euros a team. Let's protect our revenues for next year. And now we're in this scenario where for whatever reason that Media Pro refused to pay. So it's a lot of alarm, a lot of chaos. And there's been a lot of, you know, very alarming sound bites from not just the league and presidents but clubs and players um about the precarious financial situation so it's really really a bad time for everyone involved yeah i mean just from from listening there there's there definitely seems to be a lot to unpack and sort of everything that i've read doesn't sort of get into the, to that much detail you know there's there's a lot of moving parts you know whether um whether media pro are, are sort of the goodies and baddies in this situation um, whether you know clubs have perhaps spent beyond their means and will now suffer a, a great deal, um, you know I think the the way that that I've seen it is that you know the media pro obviously got this deal uh, and now because of the obviously the I mean the coronavirus situation you know the the whole um, situation surrounding uh, the the league being cancelled with nine games to play last season you know that that had huge ramifications um, and you know to to protect to protect this deal which now is 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 effectively in the mud after a matter of months you know it just seems like a seems like a real scandal um you know when when this deal was announced you know you mentioned that they were sort of an agency media pro i'm led to believe sort of didn't have a great record um you know perhaps weren't as trustworthy as as a canal plus for example what what was your what was your take on it? Because you know you said yeah. a lot of people were a lot of people were um were you know were buzzing about you know have potentially having billions of of euros flooding through uh, French football. But what was the what was the consensus? Was there a bit of skepticism? Well, there was very few skepticism. First of all, from the clubs, um, from the LFP, who were you know you can imagine uh, rolling around in the money, shall we, so to speak. Obviously, when yeah. that was held. The following few days, it was as if they'd won the lottery. And fair play to them, obviously, it was fantastic. So let's put that to one side. The only people that were dissenting at the time were uh, Canal Plus, who had lost the rights. It was as if Sky Sports lost, you know, having broadcast Premier League football for, for since its inception, being a big part of it, being the, you know, the, the, the famous title holder, so to speak, for, for so many years. And everyone um, conflates them with the Premier League as, as they should. And then at suddenly losing it, losing it all very, you know, completely. So Canapolis were obviously pissed, you know, to say that, look, we know what the values of the rights are. We help build the rights. You know, mm. we've helped market league and not just domestically, but also internationally. Mm. Um, so they said that we know what the rights are. And so to be outbid is a surprise. Uh, we don't think Media Pro could pay this. And just recently, obviously, when this whole crisis had begun, Canal Plus are sitting very smugly saying, well, we told you so, didn't we? We told you at the time that this was completely you know, not at the market level and that we had massive, you know, like reservations about this. Media Pro, the alarm bells were there um, because at the time 
the tender was held. MediaPro had just won a similar tender in Italy for Serie A, which was annulled a few weeks afterwards because the Serie A authorities didn't think that they had the guarantees, uh, the necessary financial guarantees. Yes, you know, they won the tender. Yes, they put a bid forward. But how do we know that they have the funds? Because MediaPro were backed by a, a very obscure Chinese fund. Um, and no one really knew anything about them. And, you know, we've had a couple, a couple of issues in football recently of, you know, Chinese funds and um, capital controls in China. Um, so Serie A, you know, correctly did their due diligence and said that we don't want, essentially, we don't want these people in it. So we have to annul it. We don't have the guarantees. We'll run the tender again. And France, in the LFP, for whatever reason, just despite those warnings, continued and even then, you know, it takes a lot of effort to set up, um, you know, a TV channel and to 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 get the talent to to have the rights to get it through, you know, satellite providers. They had no outlet. They bought the rights. They bought very expensive rights that they were sitting on, but had no outlet to market them. Um, and only very recently did they get everything in order. I think, for example, by March, uh, we knew that they would be broadcasting next season, but there was no channel. There was no press release. There was no talk of who was going to be fronting the, the channel, the commentators, you know, the pundits per se. There was none of that. It just seems a bit like a, ba- a bad deal gone wrong. They were looking to make a pretty penny, essentially, you know, sell on, sell on and sub-license the rights. Um, but no one was no one was taken. Obviously, during COVID as well, things went even badly. And so they had to go it alone. They had to create their own channel, Telefood, which, again, wasn't so much their own channel. They licensed from a, another famous TV channel in France, TF1. Which is similar to to ITV um, and um, license a, a famous program's name. So it's essentially like, you know, another group coming in and sub licensing a match of the day name and using the same presenters and and the editorial output, etc. So given that they taken on quite a few of France's famous journalists, commentators, pundits, and they're all out of a job four months later. Yeah, it's such a terrible situation for them because, you know, they, they got on board, they, they jumped ship, essentially, you know, got on board with this new project. It's obviously, you know, they've been they've been sold, um, sold a dream, essentially. Uh, and, and four months on, it's now, you know, it hasn't come to fruition uh, in the way that, that yeah. perhaps the people um, who, who are fronting it perhaps envisioned it and, and certainly the people who've been staffed by it. So, you know, it's a it's a it's a you know there's a human cost to it as well you know i think because we're going to be talking a lot about the financial implications of what this will have on clubs uh, in in france um but but also the fact that you know this is this is going to cost people jobs this is going to cost people you know the their you know it's going to set them back in their professions so there's a lot to, to a lot to contend with um but from from the club side of things you know it, fans haven't been in stadiums at least not in full stadiums for the best part of nine months now you know you're not getting any sort of meaningful footfall through the door meaningful revenue um there's now uh i'm under the impression that canal plus are going to pick up the the rights um for the um for the remainder of of the season am i right yeah although those discussions have still not been confirmed and with um with telefoot the the program you know the media post channel uh, only licensed to take on the rights up until the next round of games, which is on Wednesday and the end of the year. Nothing's been announced. So you could conceivably be in a situation where there's no broadcast for games for, for a short period. Mm-hmm. But essentially, if, if if because the 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 LFP uh, are essentially you know their their hands are tied, they need a broadcaster. 
that whoever does take this on, they're going to dictate the fee that they pay. So naturally, clubs who would have received some of this broadcast revenue are going to be out of pocket um, and, and probably by a considerable amount. Um, you know, with, with no footfall through the doors, with no fans to to, to speak of in terms of, you know, uh, match day revenue, you know, uh, you know, broadcasting revenue being down, um, you know, you're, you're pretty much relying on, on your commercial revenue as your main source of income there. And, for, you know, I, d- I don't know what the situation is like in France, but I know that sort of in, in the championship, in England, you know, there's a lot of clubs who have who 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 budget very close to the bone. As in, you know, they spend a lot on wages, they spend a lot, uh, and and they kind of rely on sort of the status quo being maintained of the money coming in. So a 15 percent drop off in that, which you know could be conceivable if there's um, you know broadcast rebates as there has been in France, and you know drop offs in in the the amount of money that they're going to receive for their televised games. You know that's that 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 could put quite a few in dire straits. Is that sort of what will be reflected in in the top two tiers of, of French football? Yeah, one hundred percent. I think a lot of uh, clubs are already coming out with some sound pieces saying, "Look, we're going to be surprised if there's not going to be any redundancies." Um, I think media pro forget that the you know football clubs not just made of eleven people, um, and in France, especially, I think outside of the top uh, seven, eight teams. Um, Broadcasting revenues play a massive part um, of a club's income. You have, you forget that an entire you know the entire budget of a team like uh, Angers or Rams, for example, is is less than thirty million euros in, in a good year. Um, mm. And you know during the pandemic, we've seen players in the Premier League still go you know for far more than that. Um, and a lot of that thirty million, probably two thirds, is TV broadcast revenues, and that was pre Media Pro. Um, so having already spent some of that money, I am, I'm guessing that they were expecting the big uplift in, in their revenues, they're, they're going to be sort of screwed to say the least. And it's not, obviously it's not just ticket prices that have gone down. It's hospitality, it's sponsorship incomes, especially for those who have sponsors who come from businesses or industries that have been massively impacted by coronavirus. There's no club that's not going to be immune, but there could be clubs further down the league table particularly in second division where financial issues have been very rampant over the last couple of years, that they could be um, relegated. Yeah, I mean, we've already seen, um, the. I think it was Stadrium's uh, president, uh, I can't remember his name, but he, uh, one of the first stories I saw was that, you know, he said that by February, March, you know, clubs are simply just going to be out of money. And I think, you know, comments and press releases from from Liga and Ligue 2 presidents over the past, you know, however many years, you know, they've been they've been rather colourful. But I mean, this one did sort of ring of, you know, there is a genuine threat here to 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 the football. And you mentioned the the top eight clubs in France. There, you know, the 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 sort of the the, the twelve in Liga that are below. Um, you know how they rely very heavily on on television uh, revenue. Do you think that I mean Ligue 1's had its issues with competitiveness with sort of the the the, the funds that PSG has been flushed with over the past decade? But do you think that this could have potential ramifications in terms of you know lessening the competitiveness of of you know one of Europe's premium divisions even more so now? Yeah, um, only because of the situation that they find themselves in um, has been exacerbated by their own issues. You know, I think. Your question can be targeted to a lot of the other leagues, but you know, I, I think 
the, the broadcasting revenues and other revenues are, have been protected somewhat um, and the clubs can continue to, to work hard. I think, for example, in England, the Premier League is just as competitive this year, even though finances have been um, an issue. You know, you've spoke about rebates, for example, but that's had no impact on the actual level of football. Um, but in France, particularly as as we'll go on shortly, you know, Lille are the current leaders in Ligue 1, but they're standing on the financial precipice. So who knows what shape they're going to be in the next 40 days or so, while also um, take, taking part in the Europa League. Um, what's, what's made it worse is that the clubs are collectively sitting on two bank loans totaling 225 million euros each. The first one was given by the by the states or, or guaranteed by the states uh, to ensure that clubs were promptly um, reimbursed for, for for the rest of the season for the money they should have accept, expected or got from from the French league because Canal Plus and Bein Sport obviously didn't pay up towards the end of um, last year given that there was no matches um, and that was promised to be taken out of any future TV rights deal so the LFP will just take a percentage uh, to pay off the loan. And then a second one was taken out in urgency because Media Pro couldn't pay, and some of the lower clubs, you know, were already waiting for a tranche of 10 million euros uh, or so to pay their staff. You know, they're already sitting on nearly half a billion euros um, of bank loans, and there's no guarantee of a good deal to come in January from from Canal Plus. There's no guarantee of fans back in stadiums. There's no guarantee of when there'll be some normality. So, of course, there's going to be massive, massive issues um, to, to take over in the next two months. We, I would be surprised if we finish a season with absolutely no club being sanctioned or, or reporting any sort of financial distress. Wow. Well, actually, I didn't... I didn't. I mean, I, I heard, obviously, the, the Stad Rems chairman's claims and stuff, but, you know, you don't really sort of start to think that that is what the impact could how how severe the impact could be until it actually happens so to hear sort of that that prediction is i don't know it's quite sobering and and i don't know if you've i don't know if you've seen the big short obviously the big hollywood film about the the financial yeah. crash um of, of 2007 to 2008 but it just kind of it might have been your use of the word tranche but um it, it just kind of sparked a, an image in my head of you know from that film where you know they, they all start to, to cotton on to the fact that you know this this entire yeah. system is being you know it, it, it's it's standing on the precipice to use your phrase you know um so i think there's uh, there's yeah there's definitely some issues which need to be resolved and you touched on um you touched on Lille there obviously league leaders at the moment uh in, in Liga, and um Gerard Lopez is someone uh, who we um, we discussed at length uh, in in a previous podcast um, with with Kevin Jeffries. Uh, uh, thinking about August time, about sort of how the structure that that he and his uh, his people had had set in place there. You know the Luis Campos figures that had come in on the scouting and recruitment side. Um, you know and the, the the string of managers who he'd he'd employed who had actually done quite good work. Um, and now it all seems as though you know it could come crashing down in a matter of months or weeks. You know, Lopez has sold the club um, to to Merlin Partners. I read yesterday on on Get French Football News. Um, I mean, just based on what you're saying, I mean, my, my my initial question was going to be, you know, is this reactionary? You know, getting out as soon as you can. You know, uh, getting off the Titanic before it set sail, as I think what I put in my notes. Um, or is this sort of, you know, will this will, will this be a trend that is followed by by other French uh, owners? 
Um, well, I think, first of all, I don't think that it's an issue of him getting out per se. Uh, it's essentially him being forced to, to sort of cede control of the club. Um, you know, Lille were already in a very dodgy financial state. He, he um, I, don't, I don't know exactly the full details of it, but let's just say the finances um, involved, um, in terms of the way that Lille have been run, they've, they've used bank loans and other sort of um, financial support from people like Elliot, who, who, who have now controlled AC Milan. Um, and in the same way that the AC Milan's previous Chinese owner was essentially kicked out of the club and Elliot, uh, took over. That's exactly what's happened at Lille. Um, so he's essentially been forced to cede control because of the fact that Elliot have looked at their investment of how they've supported him, and have looked at the fact that given COVID, the COVID situation, and the media press situation, that they're not exactly certain of having the same return of investment. Um, and Lopez, obviously being part of the league and presidents who voted on the season cancellations and, and the media pro TV deal have, you know, just, they're just not essentially confident that he's the right man to, that they're sure of that they're going to get their investment back. Um, and, you know, a lot of it's actually quite sinister uh, in that Lille have made a lot of fantastic sales, you know, over the last two years, Ozim Hen, Gabriel and Pepe, for example, Rafael Liao and Thiago Mendes being the others. Um, and they haven't spent too much, but, that money isn't going into the coffer still for Lille. I think there were some reports earlier today where um, he's he's profited from those player tradings rather than that money helping the club. Um, and, you know, they're still in, in a massive issue. You have to remember that two years ago, they were almost relegated and on, on, on the on the brink of a transfer ban before the DNCG, the, the French football sort of financial fair play watchdog. Um help them go get through it with a, with, a, with a strict financial plan, which focused highly on, on play trading. And they've been relatively successful from, from that. It could be a situation where they're going to um, use that in January and start, you know, start digging themselves out of financial hole. Yeah, that was sort of the the next point that I was going to get onto. Obviously, the, the sensitive timing of the, the, the news of Media Pro's, um, you know, reneging on their agreement uh, with the LFP um, and, and sort of pulling out of that deal is that it coincides with... Janu- the January transfer window, and we know how many fantastic, talented, you know, fantastically talented players have have come out of Ligue 1 in in you know for the past few decades. You know, um, a lot of them coming to English football, a lot of them going to Germany, um, you know, f- uh, Spain, Italy. There's been a lot of uh, a lot of of trading between sort of clubs in in Ligue 1 and and clubs in in the rest of Europe's top five leagues. Um, obviously, you know, every club who has the budget to do so is going to be looking at these these league on players at the moment even more you know finally with it with an even more powerful microscope because you know there there is going to be the potential to to sign players potentially for cheaper than their market value um given the situation with uh the you know the the finances that they simply aren't going to get anymore um and and with Lille you know you we've seen that you know they they have uh, Bubakari Sumari there, who is 21 years old, fantastic defensive midfielder, who you know has been linked with all sorts of clubs. Um, you know Chelsea being sort of the, the most high profile, but I'm just conscious that his um, his, his contract runs out in 2022, I believe. So you know if he gets to next summer and the situation has has only worsened for the club, you know he, he's got 12 months left. You know they're not going to be able to get 
as high a figure as they might be able to in January. So potentially, you know, there is there's a suggestion to be made that that Sumari could be moved on as a uh, as a quick buck in in January. You know, to to help the situation that Lille might find themselves in now. Um, you know, do do you think that I don't know the situation's as perilous that they may need to start offloading players as soon as next month? Um, absolutely, and it depends obviously on the on the finances involved. Um, but you know, this is a club that have looked very solid for about two years now, and have have done pretty well in in, in player trading. Um, and that's a system that can be uh, put down to Lewis Campos above all. Um, and they've got so many players that you know would would be very essentially cheap for a couple of players. You've got uh, Sumari, like you mentioned, um, who's <clears throat> actually I thought started the season off very poorly, ended last season a bit poorly, but has really come along in the last couple of weeks. Um, and it's sort of justifying the interest that um, that has been sort of linked to him. You know, he can definitely do a job in the Premier League, um, has looked very solid in defensive midfield, anchoring that um, high press. Um, you've got um, you know, Zeki Celik, who's, who's, who's come along leaps and bounds in the past year. You've got Yusuf Yusic in particular, who's looked absolutely outstanding in the Europa League and in particular in Liga over the last couple of uh, weeks as a player who had a serious injury a year ago and has absolutely uh, been been a godsend, essentially, for Lille. Um, you have Renato Sanchez being, being the obvious big name who, who I think deserves another crack at, at the top, um, the top tier. Um, after a couple of years, obviously, um, not maybe justifying his previous huge price tag. Um, there are a lot of interesting players, and with the right competition, they can generate some really good funds. Um, and then they need it, essentially, because they already have a set agreement with, with the LFP. They're in European competition, therefore they have to abide by financial fair play rules. Um, and given what we already discussed with Liga and being without a TV deal at the moment, and being one of the few leagues to not uh, continue last year, again, both self-inflicted, they've got no choice but to. I'd be surprised if if they don't sell at least two of those players. You know, I think two players will definitely go in, in January. It's a shame that they're coming into that period where they are the league leaders. They've had a couple of fantastic results. They've been superb in Europe. Um, in particular, one of the few French teams to have done so. So they've they've made a great name for himself. And Christophe Galtier, who has long been um, a well-regarded manager in France, getting the most out of his team. You know, they're they're reaching almost the peak under him. Um, and that team's going to be um, picked apart a lot earlier uh, than they imagined. They're going to have to be a lot smarter in the transfer market because there'll be a lot of teams coming, and they won't sell at a high price. They'll be looking to just cover what they can they're not going to be sort of spending your 20 30 million euros in, in any future at all whatsoever they have to be stable financially and that's what Elliot's bringing in so they they're going to be austere and that's going to lead to the top tier European clubs coming in and essentially doing their window shopping that's such a difficult thing to to swallow I think and, and such a difficult thing to, to accept because you know you know you'd look at Lille and say over the past few years especially with the Campos influence that they probably have scouted and recruited in this in one of the smartest fashions for 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 a top club across Europe you know we've seen you know they got they're in consecutive seasons of European football which wasn't always the case you know they've they've made 200 million on you know five players that you mentioned earlier you know Gabriel Rafael Leao, 
um, Nicola Pepe, Thiago Mendes, and of course, uh, Victor Osimhen, that there's a lot of money being you know, earned there from, from developing players who perhaps weren't highly rated as much when they arrived uh, on, on the scene at Lille. Um, so, you know, they've done a, a fantastic job of that. So to hear that, they, you know, they're going to have to work harder at that is, is, is just a massive kick in the teeth. And it's interesting what you mentioned about Bubakari Sumare, you know, the role that he plays. Um, he uh, obviously, you know, anchors that high press, that, 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 that high pressing side, you know, and we've seen how valuable that is a role in, in, in the modern day. You know, you, look, you only need to look at, you know, Calvin Phillips at Leeds, for example, you know, how pivotal a player that he's become there, um, you know, under Marcelo Bielsa, former uh, Lille and Marseille manager. Um, you know, this it's been... It's going to be a very difficult situation for them. But, I mean, Lille, yes, they are top of the league. They're not in any immediate danger from dropping out of the league. You look at Dijon, you know, you're rock bottom. You definitely need to raise funds. You're looking at your already threadbare squads. You know, if you're if you're Munir Shuiar or, or Jonathan Panzo's agent, you know, you, you're one of Dijon's most marketable assets. What are you thinking going into the next few weeks? You know, are you are you are you trying to desperately just get out the door because you know that the club are going to be receptive to bids? You know, what is the what is this the situation there? Well, I think for for the small clubs, essentially, I don't think uh, football will be on the menu much in, in January. Of course, I think they'll try their best in that situation, but of course, it, it depends on whether the um, whether whether league ends can strike a TV deal or whether Canal Plus can return and crucially what value that they will be at because it's already been reported that the likelihood the best scenario is that the tv rights don't deviate from what they were in the last cycle which was 2017 2020 so around about 750 million mark therefore clubs can expect you know a couple of million euros lost but it's not essentially fatal and then they can continue but canal plus is not going to be that generous therefore players are going to be receptive to bids and all 20 clubs, maybe not okay, maybe not Paris Saint-Germain, um, but the rest essentially will look at their most marketable players, will look at the ones that have potential suitors and interest, will look at the ones that, that are, you know, even um, coming to the end of their contract. I'm looking at Marseille, for example. Florian Tovan has long uh, been linked that AC Milan's coming to the end of his contract. They will be looking at what interest they can drum up in January and try and get as much money as they can. So it will impact the young players or impact the high value players. It's a shame because again, I think the league has been very interested in this uh, this season. I think this issue can potentially put it back a couple of years. On on sort of a wider scale, you know, without the the spectre of a I don't know a, a looming broadcast crisis, a looming financial crisis in French football, which I think we've covered in uh, extreme detail. There, you know, there's actually been some some football that's happened on the pitch uh, in Ligue 1 this season, um, which has been quite interesting. I think the emergence of, of Roman Favre uh, at Brest, you know, that has been um, probably one of the the, the more uplifting um, young football uh, young footballer stories of the season. Um, you know, he's been he's been very impressive for them in, in midfield, um, sort of breaking free of the the shackles that that was the, the the hierarchy and perhaps the red tape and bureaucracy of AS Monaco. Um, so from from what you've seen of of um, I nearly said Lucien Favre there, um, Roman Favre, uh, you know what have, what have you what what can we expect from him essentially? Well, he's been he's been a fantastic player, and I normally don't say that about you know players at Brest because I I find them you know playing very functional football, um, 
football that's not easy in the eye. They've they've normally struggled to be, um, you know, basically a good side um, to watch. But Roman Fraub has come in um, and has done superbly. Um, he's looked fantastic. Um, linking up with, with the strikers, Ivan Condona in, in particular. Uh, but he scored and, and assisted a total of six goals. Um, so he's very, very high up uh, for Brest. Um, in particular, in early on, I think he looked fantastic against Monaco um, in, in, in the game against Marseille um, early on in the season, which finished 3-2. He was essentially man of the match, full of power, uh, getting in deep into the crosses, um, linking up again, like I said, uh, contributed massively to Brest's recent good run. They've, they've They've won four and just um, lost one of their last seven, including a fantastic win um, over Lille and doing the same against an Etienne as well. Uh, coming in off the left, you know, he's a very versatile player, but he's he's supreme on the left night. I'm surprised that Monaco, um, you know, he, he's come through at Monaco, but he's really coming into his own at Brest. And he'll be one of the players, unfortunately, given the scenario we just talked about, that Brest will be looking at moving on um, if, if something good comes in. He's been... A revelation this season, and Brest themselves, it's led to them um, unlocking games that perhaps they've struggled to do so in previously young campaigns. They've won you know, just under half of their games, which is great for a club of their size. Um, you know, it, the league is so congested, so it really does mean that after coming to the Christmas, only 10 points off the top, obviously, that doesn't mean anything in the grand scheme of things. But they, they've, they've had one of their best seasons in the top flight for a long, long time, and much of it is down to him. I mean, yeah, that's a just from what you said to, to begin with. You know, they're them being a very functional team. You know, they they do strike me as as an outfit who you know their 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 goal is to to remain in the league and to obviously you know get on the gravy train that was you know the 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 broadcasting deals that fund the, the top clubs. Um, and you know, Roman Favre has been, as you say, you know, he's been their enigmatic centerpiece. You know, he's been he's been their showman, um, as you say. You know, winning those man of the match performances. Um, and I think you know his his call up to the under twenty one setup has been entirely deserved. Um, I mean, it's probably a stretch too far to say that you know he'd be in in, in senior international contention just yet. Uh, I think you know you'd need to string out some consistency over a full season for that. But that's not uh, you know outside the realms of possibility. Um, another player who has, is playing sort of at a mid-table club at the moment, uh, even though they may not want to be a mid-table club, um, is Amin Guiri at uh, at Nice. And obviously the, there's been a managerial casualty there recently in Patrick Vieira um, being given the boot. Um, you know, and, and I think w- one of the best things about Guiri is that he was still able to find that that verve and that you know that that goal scoring touch or that that final creative touch, even under Vieira, who you know. T- you know, to his credit, you know, was an was an all right manager, but perhaps a bit uninspiring when it came to attacking. Um, you know, he's he's he he's been getting on quite well at Nice this year, which is his first real go at, at senior football after a really nasty injury um, at the beginning of last season when he was still at Lyon. And uh, just as we're recording this, he has also scored against Lyon uh, to get Nice back into the game. So, oh, is, <laughs> is there a better moment to discuss? I mean, Guiri. Well, do you know, I was very surprised that Leon let him go because he looked fantastic for them in the youth teams, but also in the national uh, youth teams being heralded as a, as a future star for them. So, And, and they were coming off a, a season where you know, finances were back on the agenda for them for, for obvious reasons, didn't qualify for the Champions League this time round. But to let go a, a, you know, a star in the making 
was a surprise, but Nice were building their own project in the same way they brought in Maulida uh, very recently as well. Um, they uh, wanted to center their new project around young players and Buiri looked league and ready. And he's, he, he has looked um, good um, for the large part, particularly in Europe, more so in league and um, he, he started the season very, very explosively. Um, being at the top of the attack, not just playing on the left wing, but being in the centre forward role, um, has has sort of a fox in the box mentality. He can turn defenders very well, looking very very good um, on the ball when he's dribbling. Um, is I think he's just been a victim of Patrick Vieira's inconsistency, um, and essentially, I think there was a very good point made recently where not one player in Vieira's tenure during Vieira's tenure has been improved by their form manager. Um, and Guerrilla was looking, I think, at some points going that way because of the tactical inconsistency, the rotation, um, the poor results and, and the defensive, perhaps defensive setup that doesn't get the best out of some fantastic young players like Claude Maurice, like Buiri, uh, like Ren Adelaide, they've just signed as well. A lot of heavy, uh, inconsistent results, which explains why they're where they are um, in, in, in the league. Um, but with a more attack-minded manager, with a manager that can get the best out of offensive situations that can empower his front line and needs to be more cutting and concisive, um, incisive rather, in um, the final third, I think he can bring out the best of him. He's already scored eight goals this season, which is not a very bad return at all. He's assisted three, three more. Um, they can do better, and I believe he can do better as well. And he's shown you know, glimpses of that. It's just that needs to go from Jekyll and Hyde. That is very hard to pinpoint exactly where this team and how, you know, what what heights he can reach. Obviously, I think this is a great situation where I think we can take the stock at the end of the season. Um, but for so far, for his first year in Nice, I think he's definitely sort of around a B-plus level. It's, it's a good start. It's just the fact that his teammates um, and, and the management situation that needs to win isn't isn't as consistent as I'd like them to be, but he's definitely one of the better performing players there. So definitely keep an eye out for him. And as you've seen tonight, he's he's on a score sheet against the club. Way feels maybe a bit resentful for letting him go in the first place. Yeah, he's definitely got a point to prove, hasn't he? Because I mean it was something like seven or eight million. I mean I've discussed yeah. this on this podcast before because it just still seems baffling. But everybody I speak to uh, who, who sort of had a good understanding of who Guiri was before he went to Nice, you know, before his injury, when he was scoring bagfuls in France's youth international teams and and in the youth league, uh, the UEFA youth league, that is, you know, there's the, it seemed a very perplexing decision. But hey, you know, it it may have been Leon saying, you know, we don't think he's going to be the same player after his injury. Well, he's proving that he absolutely is. You know, eight goals in half a season. Of um of your first proper go at, at senior football is no no bad um no bad result um so I think you know if he if he did continue scoring and, and creating at the same rate you know that's what twenty eighteen nineteen twenty goal contributions in a first season for a club who have as you said been Jekyll and Hyde and sort of ebbed and flowed from good to terrible that's not that's not a bad thing to to be and that's certainly uh, emblematic of a player who is definitely worth more than than seven million. Um, so yeah, this, I think if, if I could say one thing, as, as I said a few weeks ago was on this podcast was that, you know, keep an eye out for, for Guiri because, you know, there's, there's a lot to be said about his, his potential and, you know, whether his ceiling is above Liga, whether it's above Nice, I think for, for the record, it probably is a, a, above both or rather above the average, um, ability of both. 
um, just from what I'd seen before his pre-injury. But yeah, it's been um, it's been good to see him sort of hit the ground running as 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 turbulent as it as it was under Vieira, and and hopefully you know he can really kick on a, a real head of steam now. Um, on on the topic of 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 Lyon, um, they're they're obviously uh, playing Nice this evening uh, while we're recording. But you know they're in a they're in a title race, um, which uh, I, I don't know how many people may have envisioned that because you know they they didn't have European football this season, which allows you to focus on more domestic football. But at the same time, whether they had the the squad uh, and the resources to to challenge a, a Paris Saint Germain who've you know slipped up on occasion, you know with the wealth of resources that they've got. You know what? You know what? What's your take on 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 the title race, which has probably got around three or four teams in it still at sort of the twelve twelve thirteen game mark? Yeah, well, probably more than that. I think it will shorten over the Christmas period to to four. Um, Montpellier looked, I think, in particular pretty well. Monaco as well before they started losing to rivals um, over the last couple of games. Um, but Lyon have. I think absolutely come out of the rut. They were stuck in a massive rut in in September, where they won one game in five, including a defeat to Montpellier, where they were held to very boring draws um, against teams in the bottom half of the table. And in you know in in particular, um, they were dominating games. You know their their XG ratings were between between you know somewhere north of two point five to three point five um, per game, um, and yet they still couldn't. Um, take results out obviously that just proved that they just needed some consistency and when it struck boy did it strike well because Tino Cadoera in particular who was signed from from League Two earlier this year has looked very sharp Carl Toko in Kikambi who looked pretty good in the final eight in Lisbon has suddenly hit form and the Memphis Depay as well um they've they've they looked impacted during the transfer window while the transfer window is open because there's so much talk of you know how many players they're going to lose Depay going to Barcelona and while going to Arsenal that it was hard for them to sort of focus while this window opened. But since the window is closed, and after the October international break, they've they've won all but two games in Ligue 1, drawing to Lille, um, and then dropping points on Wednesday um, against Brest, which was pretty silly. But I think after six wins in a row, we can we can excuse them a little bit. Rudy Garcia's finally got the best out of this team. The players look motivated. Um, they look sharp. The midfield in particular, Guamarish, uh, Bruno Guamarish, the Paqueta and Aguawa have... Um, started to really come together as a midfield very powerful lots of pressing and lots of creativity in that as well he didn't quite know um what his best formation was you know teeter in between 4-2-3-1-4-3-3-3 sorry 4-3-3 whether uh Kakare, uh the young star would, would play um whether you know what who, who would start in defense etc they've looked a lot more settled since um, and it's 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 been really really well for them. They're they're ahead at the moment as as we're recording. Um, they did superbly last Sunday to to beat PSG as well in a, in, a, in a fixture at the park where they haven't won for 13 years. So it looks to be really really good. And the good thing is that everyone's beating each other as well. Um, you know, Lille have have taken points of Lyon, Marseille, Marseille have taken points of all three at the top. Um, PSG, you know, ha- are, are actually struggling. They We'll see tomorrow night, but they've both lost both at home to Marseille and 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 Lyon, um, which is absolutely unheard of because those were fixtures where they've not lost for ten and thirteen years. Very competitive, you know, not far off each other in the table, and every week is 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 is, is pressure, um, and it can only help Ligue 1's 
long road back to clawing back what TV, you know, clawing back any TV rights it can possibly get. So to have an actual title race will go so far in repairing the image. Yeah, the, I think a title race would definitely um, um, help sort of amend matters that, you know, are obviously going on off the off the pitch. Uh, I'm not sure, you know, if clubs like Dijon or Rennes would be too too fussed about a title race. But I tell you what, if it helps them secure uh, them being the LFP, it helps if it helps the LFP secure a, a bumper deal, which will actually get paid and and will actually be followed through on uh, this time. Then certainly, I think uh, they'd, they'd be in favour of it. But um, thank you very much, Mo, for for providing your insight on on French football as always, uh, and on a very complex issue. I think you know it's not always that we're discussing football finances um, on this podcast, no less um, French football finances, uh, and and you know the, the the added complexities of third parties of you know broadcast rights, you know different TV companies and the like. So um, I appreciate uh, you uh, you staying with me in my, my my list of questions because just like everybody else, I'm just interested to know and yeah. interested to find out. And just interested to see whether you know there's going to be a fire sale in January. Um, it's a bit morbid, I, I think. You know that you know we're we're hovering around like vultures, thinking, or oh, will there be potential sales? You know, will will Roman Favre be moving to a big club? You know, uh, but you know it's it's the reality of the situation that um, that Media Pro has has put uh, has put Liga and, and French football in. But yes, um, is, is there anything that you'd like to to add just before um, just before we finish? No, that's all. I mean, thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure to speak with you as always. Um, I think uh, for any listeners, obviously, who love Liga and obviously love the Premier League and their own clubs in England, you might be seeing a couple of them heading your way. We might be seeing another French Revolution at Newcastle if that ever happens, um, <laughs> because there, there's a lot of sales to be had. So um, it'll be good. I mean, I think a couple of players absolutely do deserve it, and I don't think a shot at the big time. Uh, should be taken away from you know situations that, like I said, the executives and the clubs and, and the authorities have have done it to themselves essentially. Um, so this is not sort of a, a, a sob story that everyone should feel sorry for. It is just not doing your duty of care and your due diligence. And I, I think before I sign off, I mean, uh, a funny thing that I've I followed this week while on the topic of League One is that um, they unsealed the bids of the second place tender um for for the for the league and tv rights which was the losing bid from canal plus and bean sports and surprise surprise that bid was also over a billion pounds which would have been a record 30 percent sort of a 40 percent uh tv rights increase so had they just stuck with canal plus like they said we wouldn't have been in a situation and the teams would have been healthy financially anyway so that's just hindsight is a wonderful thing it is it is and i tell you what hindsight is is a fantastic thing when you know you can say oh well this club this decision should have been made a lot uh, a lot more um securely perhaps uh when but when you know 1.1 billion is is put before your face you know it's very difficult to turn down i think um but yes uh, thank you very much mo for for coming on and, and explaining the different complexities um around what's been going on in french football and, and hopefully um we'll we'll see a resurgence we'll see an interesting title race and perhaps there'll be a few uh new faces on on uh, in in the premier league or, or in various other european leagues in the weeks to come but yes that's all from me uh, joe donahue on the scouted football podcast stay tuned for more episodes in the next few weeks uh, and into 2021 uh, but wherever you are um stay safe take care and bye for now